As the debate over card security heats in the U.S., Visa this month has come out with target dates for EMV adoption in the U.S., with the expectation of pushing the market to chip and pin technology within the next two years. How will and have issuers and merchants responded? And what advice can the industry expect from networks and card brands? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Stephanie Erickson, Head of Authentication Product Integration at Visa, where she focuses on payment solutions, enhanced payment security, and devices. Stephanie, Visa is encouraging U.S. card issuers, acquirers, and merchants to embrace chip technology that meets the requirements laid out in the EuroPay MasterCard Visa standard, which has been widely adopted throughout most of the world. What can you tell us about the timing of Visa's EMV push? Why now? Well, thank you very much, Tracy, for having us as part of your podcast today. Um, first of all, I just wanted to, to clarify one thing. When, um, when we're talking about chip in the United States, there is a nomenclature that exists in the industry where chip is commonly referred to as chip and pin, and we're really trying to dispel that myth where we consider adoption of EMV technology or EMV chip as not always being partnered with pin. So when we are talking about the U.S. adopting EMV technology and EMV chip, we're very much more advocating the dynamic data and the dynamic authentication capability of chip not so much chip and pin. Um, in terms of the timing of why now, there was really several factors that were at play that made this a good time, we believe, for the United States to embrace chip technology. Um, one of the most relevant points is that we already have a lot of embrace in the United States and the rest of the world in adopting mobile payments technology, which relies very heavily on the same EMV data infrastructure. So we've been working for a number of years in the United States to enable contactless payment at the point of sale. Many of our issuers had already been issuing contactless-enabled chip cards for use at certain merchant outlets. And we also saw that there was a need to enhance the infrastructure from a security point of view and an international interoperability point of view to also add the EMV contact chip component. And we also had several of our U.S. issuers who were beginning to explore the issuance of international chip cards or chip cards for their international travelers and their affluent customer segment so that they could better improve the interoperability and the consumer experience when those cardholders traveled abroad to markets where chip was much more prevalent. So in response to some of the industry requests that Visa's received, of course, that's the reason that Visa came out with some of its recommendations for an EMV deployment in the U.S. Can you walk us through what some of those recommendations were, Stephanie? Certainly. Um, first of all, on the, on the issuance side, we have several recommendations to make it as simple and cost-effective and the fastest time to market for our issuers in the U.S. We have the benefit of the U.S. being one of the markets that is later at adopting chip technology. So fortunately, we can learn from some of the other markets that have deployed EMV, which has several different options of the way that it can be deployed, but there's also a lot of complexity. And we've learned from other markets that that added complexity is not always needed in terms of making an effective business case. So we really looked at the options within EMV and what was needed for the environment like the U.S., which is a 100% online environment and a zero-floor limit environment. And we looked at the way to implement EMV that would be the most cost-effective 
and the fastest for issuers to get up and running and supporting EMV without major disruption to their business. So from an issuer best practice or issuer recommended practice point of view, we recommend that issuers issue chip cards that support online data authentication or online authentication. And the reason for that is those chip cards tend to be much less expensive to purchase, and they're also much less complex to personalize an issue and get out to the cardholder. So from an issuer point of view, it decreases the card cost to purchase a card that only supports online authentication, but it doesn't do anything at all to compromise the security. Online data authentication is just as secure in preventing counterfeit as offline data authentication, but it's much less expensive to purchase the cards and much less expensive for the issuer to support in their host system. Um, and then secondly, from a cardholder verification method point of view, we recommend that issuers support cardholder verification where signature could be used or no signature could be required for merchants and markets that, that accept that, and also for needs where the issuer might need to support online PIN for debit, for example, that the issuer could also have a card that supports signature, no signature, and online PIN. So we've streamlined some of the implementation options on the data authentication side, as well as on the cardholder verification method side to make it easier for the issuers. On the acquiring side, as I mentioned earlier, we're really focusing on paving the way for mobile infrastructure as we see that that in the next few years is really going to become one of the major payment methods adopted in the United States, that we want to make sure that as merchants and acquirers upgrade their systems to pass chip data, that also at the merchant point of sale, not only do they deploy EMV contact chip reading technology, but that they also continue to include contactless readers to accept the contactless cards that exist in the market today, as well as the NFC-enabled mobile phones and contactless payment mobile phones that will be coming out in future years. Now, Visa has recently put out a roadmap for the U.S. adoption of EMV cards as well as NFC-enabled mobile payments, which you've mentioned. And I guess in this roadmap, the dates have been highlighted as being in 2013 and 2015. What stipulations do each of these dates hold, Stephanie, and what recommendations does the roadmap outline? To clarify those key dates in the roadmap is we really wanted to focus on the acceptance and acquiring infrastructure first to make sure that the merchant infrastructure and the acquiring infrastructure was enabled to, to efficiently pass the chip data and to be able to support those transactions. So the first date is April of 2013, and that is the date by which we want the acquirers in the United States to have upgraded their systems to be able to pass the additional data in the message that supports chip and dynamic authentication. So that's the acquirer mandate of April 2013 for the acquirer and processor systems to be able to handle the incremental data that supports dynamic authentication from chip. And that dynamic authentication data supports both contact chip for EMV as well as contactless and mobile. So it supports the contact chip as well as mobile and contactless payments. The second date is October of 2015, and that is the liability shift date. And that's a further incentive for the merchant infrastructure to deploy contact chip technology at the point of sale 
to continue to preserve their liability protection for counterfeit transactions. So if by the October 2015 date, for those merchants who have not yet adopted contact chip technology at the point of sale, they may take on some liability at that point in time for counterfeit transactions if chip could have prevented that transaction from, from being counterfeited. And does the roadmap make any recommendations where the transition from the magnetic stripe to a chip card or a mobile chip is concerned? Is Visa suggesting that there'll be simultaneous moves for both credit and debit, or are there any suggestions as far as leapfrogging to mobile technology? We do see that there are many issuers that, from a contactless point of view, will probably focus some of their efforts on mobile technology. But from an issuing of card point of view, we've had um, just over 10 issuers who have recently come out in market with press releases or actual small issuance of chip cards where they are issuing either contact chip cards or dual interface cards which support contact and contactless to their cardholders. And they're primarily issuing those cards for their, their international travelers and their more affluent cardholders since those, those are the cardholders that will most often experience chip transactions today. But as the U.S. acquirer and merchant infrastructure begins to deploy chip technology more at the point of sale, we do have many issuers that we're supporting in how they would expand their chip issuance to their domestic portfolios and their domestic cardholders as well, or their cardholders that don't travel internationally as frequently. In terms of our recommendations, we are talking more to issuers today about how they would plan for their card reissuance cycles. So as their cards come up for reissuance in the next two or three years, getting closer to that 2015 liability shift date, how they can plan to have critical mass of their cards in market supporting chip technology as their business case fits. And what about recommendations for credit versus debit or both? Right now, many of our issuers are focusing on credit, and there's been some complexities as it relates to the, the recent regulation and the Durban regulation, just as how issuers would, would be able to manage issuance of debit cards with chip. We do support that. We have some recommended practices for issuers on how they could manage supporting debit and multiple networks with a chip card, although many of them today are just focusing most of their energy on their credit portfolios, their affluent segments, and their international travelers. We do have a few that are targeting their debit card portfolios. We do have a few debit card uh, chip cards in market already today, but most of them are primarily focused on credit for this first part um, and then focusing on how they'll handle debit as they interpret more of the Durban regulation and what that impact is to them. And this is a great segue for my next question because I did want to talk a little bit about the expense for U.S. card issuers. You've talked a little bit about that, but I wanted to touch on some of the incentives that might be available. Now, when we look at the Durban Amendment to Dodd-Frank, it does call for some incentive on an interchange uh, perspective where fraud prevention is concerned. Could that be applied to an EMV move? So far, that's something that we're waiting for the that we would want the Fed to come out with or to interpret for us. It's not something that we've interpreted in in anything related to the, the Durban communications um, as it relates specifically to the issuance of debit cards with chip. Um, we are supporting our issuers who would like to issue chip in conjunction with their debit cards, whether they believe that's something that will improve their business case or improve the way that they support their customers in providing them with technology that helps them transact domestically as well as when they travel. 
But as it relates to the Durban regulation, that's not something that we've been um, proactively talking to our customers about or have interpreted yet from a pricing or regulation point of view from the Fed. And what about incentives that Visa is offering? I know that there have been some incentives from a PCI compliance perspective. Could you explain those? Certainly. From October of 2012, so October of this year, the merchants that have deployed dual interface technology, so EMV contact chip as well as contactless um, in mass at their point of sale, would qualify for some reduced PCI validation requirements. So we see that as one incentive for the merchants to help offset some of the costs related with moving to chip is that we would reduce the burden on them of validating their PCI compliance from October of this year. Now, for institutions that are considering moves to EMV amid numerous other security mandates and considerations, what advice can you offer, Stephanie? I think it's something that we are working with the merchants on is how do they plan this into their normal terminal and hardware and software upgrade cycles. EMV technology and contactless chip technology fortunately has been around for a number of years. Um, the vendors that support the merchants and market all have solutions that the merchants can utilize. And most of the merchants that we've been talking about are very interested in adopting this technology for the added security it provides, for some of their uh, customer experience that they would like to be able to offer, to build out their infrastructure to support mobile. And it's more the merchants planning for when best to slot this in to their infrastructure upgrade plans over time. There are many merchants who have just recently upgraded their infrastructure, so they're planning to make this part of their next infrastructure upgrade. And there are several merchants that we're talking about that have plans over the next year or two that are, are actively talking to us about how to include this and incorporate CHIP into that infrastructure upgrade. So I think due to the cost that most merchants have of running their infrastructure, we're trying to make sure that the dates that we've set out are reasonable, that the PCI incentive, the TIP program incentive we have is meaningful and provides some value to the merchants, and also that as merchants begin to adopt this technology over time, that we give them you know, several years in advance of the liability shift date to order in order for them to plan how their infrastructure can incorporate this technology. We also believe that the added benefit of supporting dual interface in planning for mobile is something that, that we'd like the merchants to embrace because we really see that that's future-proofing their investment so that they have to make fewer changes to their infrastructure over time. Stephanie, I want to thank you again for your time today. Thank you very much, Tracy. It was great to talk to you. Again, we've just heard from Stephanie Erickson of Visa. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.